I almost think a good way to look at it is like, what is your distribution? I'm going to start with that. Like, great. We'll, we'll figure out what we're going to say and who the guest is and even how it's going to look. But, you know, what do you want to do with these videos? And then from there, you can almost like work backwards so you can you can make it get to that output. Introducing Recorded Content, a podcast for small, scrappy B2B marketing teams who want to get the most out of podcasting. In each episode, we capture stories from industry experts and podcasters. Listen in and uncover what it takes to launch, run, and grow a successful B2B podcast. Check out and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Let's jump in. All right. Well, here we are recording in person. You know, so far I'm I'm used to recording in Riverside, right? But you know, recording in person is much different than you know recording remotely through Riverside or Squadcast. You know, what are some some good examples of when a marketing team would record a podcast in person? Yeah, I I mean I feel like I even want to focus on maybe some of the positives of being in person for marketing teams that are debating. Do we just set up an office and do Riverside, which is great, or should we do some live and in person? And and one thing I've noticed from myself, even with what I've been doing here the past couple of days and in past, there is great as a conversation as you can get on your computer with people, and there's all these you know barriers are being removed. It doesn't change this. Like I feel like we're at a coffee shop. Yes, I know there's a light and cameras, but it's very easy to forget that. And it's it's very easy for me to like stay engaged with you being in the same place. And I think there's ways to uh, in person, especially with the right team and people, it's easier maybe for the personalities to come out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's big. You know, when you're recording a podcast, that's kind of what you want. You want it to be, you know, more personal and, and feel more personal. Um, but going off that, you know, what are some of the the biggest differences, you know, between recording in person and, you know, recording remotely outside of, you know, more of the, the personal feel? Yeah, I'd say it, it starts obviously in the planning. So as you're planning the episode, as hopefully you are and maybe having some notes and figuring out the structure. Uh, also, now you're going to have to say, where are we going to film this? Right. Like if, if it's in the office um, and I always go back to as much as I'm a visual person and I love the video side of things. Audio has to come first because at the end of the day, if a camera gets bumped, a camera doesn't record, it's very easy to throw a graphic, redo it and change it. But if you come back to your audio file and it's all distorted, I can't use any of that. And I don't want to just use a picture of, you know, a portrait of, of us talking and you're not hearing it. So I think making sure that in the environment you are, that audio is taken, taken care of, um, and then on top of that, then you have to plan out cameras. You know, the great thing with, with Riverside or Zoom or whatever people are using is you can just use your phone, you know, and a good microphone, and that's all you need. You know, when you come here, uh, we have cameras around, and I can't have the camera right here mm-hmm. as a webcam. You know, our cameras are out of frame and behind us, so we have, like, longer lenses. So there's a little bit of planning with, like, the actual technology and tools to pull it off. But I do feel like there's so many benefits to doing it in person. And what does that planning look like when you talk about the audio specifically? Because that is an important part, right? When you go back and the audio, if it's audio is no good, the podcast is probably no good, right? Yeah. Um, so what goes into to making sure that, you know, the audio is going to be fine once you, you know, you get back and you're getting into editing. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you asked me that a couple of years ago, I might have answered it differently. And, and the reason I say that is because through my career, it's all about hiding the microphone, you know, in the commercials, the films, the shows. 
You don't want to see a microphone dangling in the shot. You don't want to see a wireless lav on someone's shirt. But now I feel like since podcasting is so huge, I mean, put on TV, you'll you'll watch Sportsnet and sports shows, other talk shows. They have these same microphones in the shot. So like for me, why fight it? The best sound you're going to get is these type of dynamic microphones just a couple inches from your mouth. So like I would rather just start with that and then I can plan around you know, what other gear I use. And and even when you're thinking budgeting, I, there's a reason I do it first. Like the audio has to be good. If you say, Rob, I got $500. Okay, well, maybe 300 of that is going to be audio, right? Unless you really need some video stuff, but it's like, we got to make sure that's right. So, you know, that's why we chose these microphones here. We just wanted the, the best sound. So using a podcast microphone, having it in the shot and just not being afraid to say, this is a podcast. We're not trying to like hide this. This isn't we're not on Oprah here, right? You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. So, yeah. So, I mean, outside of budgeting and, and you mentioned making sure that the sound set up and the camera placement, you know, what else goes into the planning for an in-person interview? Yeah. And obviously location, you know, that's, I mean, maybe that kind of goes with audio and, and actually choosing a location for audio, you know, windows are great, but do you have the bus that stops outside your office every 10 minutes, the beep, 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 you know, and the, the <laughs> when the air comes out, you mm -hmm. know, that's not going to work, you know, and even you, you're a great example, even though that wasn't in person where you were talking about where to put your office and you're like, I really like over here, but that train, and it's like, well, do you want to deal with a train every 15 minutes or should we make something else work? So it's kind of finding the right space that like will allow you to do the job. You don't want to set up somewhere just because it looks good, but then every 15 minutes we have to stop. Right. Yeah. And that train drives me crazy. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things that I've kind of learned to live with. Um, and thanks for the help on that. Yeah. But, you know, what are some other common mistakes that you see marketers make when they're doing these in-person in recordings? Yeah. I mean, I think, and it's a hard one, but lighting seems to, you know, it, it is probably one of the harder technical pieces of, of being on camera and filming is, is knowing how to light. And, and my process always is, is I look around with the actual camera. Like I'm not just looking by myself looking around, I actually take the camera with a focal length, you know, with a lens and find, okay, this is what it'll look like. And then I kind of layer in the lights. And, and as you know, my favorite thing to do is turn off everything first because mm -hmm. it looks bright and it's good. And, and as you can see, if you're looking at the wide shot, we, we left lights on, but all the lights that are above our head are off. And the reason is that because different color temperatures and, and without getting too technical, that just means you might have something that has like make your skin look green or red. And anything daylight, your windows, that's going to be blue. So like I'm focused on making sure I can control it and have just one color temperature. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of sticking with that, you know, that setting, but, you know, let's say a marketer wants to do a recording at an industry event, mm -hmm. right? So how do they ensure that they're setting up in the right place? Yeah. And, and I think. I mean, the real answer is if someone was talking to me, I, I'd like to see what the conference looks like, even pictures from the years before, how crowded is it and, and all that. But again, uh, that's where the tools, you know, I, I always um, I'm really into saying, you know, the tools make it sometimes it's I know story is king and all that. But there are tools that are priced at a certain way, not just because of their specs on paper. A lot of these tools like these mics are made so it's easy to use and it there's not friction. There's not, it doesn't take us 10 hours to set this up. So, um, and again, that's a hard thing to know without 
using a lot of tools. Yeah, where's a good spot to set up when you're at an industry event, right? Because there's a yeah. lot of things going on. Yeah, I mean, I would say I've done, I've had really successful um, podcast booths set up at actually on the floor. There was a company, Tokina Lens Company, and we did, we scheduled out a whole week uh, and we set up a booth. We rented equipment locally and we just set up like a nice podcast. I already had everything pre-planned and scheduled. So we felt that the highest value for them was not to make people go to a hotel room. Again, this is just the event. It's everyone's a little different. We said, hey, you know what? Let's have it. We'll see everyone. I know it's going to be loud, but it, it has that like vibrancy. There's like this energy to it. So we kind of just leaned into it that, hey, we're not hiding. We're in the middle of NAB. There's 100,000 people here. And it was great. And, and I know to this day, I've talked to uh, the marketing team there. Actually, it was one, one guy actually that runs it. Um, and he says to this day, that was the most successful like thing they've done in terms of like, they've never had that many people in their booth for that long. Really? So yeah, I mean, it was like, it, it almost worked without, and this is 2018. So I wasn't thinking marketing. I was literally thinking, you know, it'd be cool. Let's just do a podcast here. I think everyone will check it out and people will hang out. And then, luckily that's what happened. But now seeing that, I'm like, oh, there's some ways we can really do more with it and promote it a little bit more. So maybe that was a reason on their end for cost and not rent the other room. And, and again, I just felt like we will get more people to watch this live if it's right there. And I'll handle the tech issues as they come. Yeah, just being kind of in the thick of things and, and generating some buzz right off the break. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you probably love hearing this, but let's assume, you yeah. know, a marketing team has, has some budget, right? Mm -hmm. um, available for a production crew at an event. You know, what are some major people that they should have in place? Yeah, I mean, the first would definitely, within your team, you know, having a sound engineer is great. Just there's a lot of things that can go wrong, especially, and I even found when I did that event, the first recording, I had like the reference speaker called a monitor too close. So there's like, like feedback and I had to turn the levels real down. I was like, man, what's going on? And I realized luckily that I just need to move the speaker out of the way. Um, so going back, it's, it's, you know, maybe having someone even just for the first day, you know, hiring like an, a sound technician, just Hey, can you come and just help me test this out real quick? What am I doing wrong? How can I make it better? And then if you are, if you want video, which I highly recommend, especially now, you'll just get so much more out of it. Just having a hiring a good cinematographer, director of photography, like a freelance, you know, professional that that's what they do. Because even with this, there, there's issues. You know, I had this all planned out, but this is not a, what we initially thought, and it's a lot better. But without me knowing and having a process to change it around, I don't know if we would have gotten here and definitely not as soon. And then also having someone that is a, you know, on the video side, a cinematographer, they can help you uh, tell you what to rent, you know, and I, and, and that's why I know sometimes a lot of people ask, well, how much does it cost? And it's, it's a little hard to answer. I'd rather say, I'd rather ask you, well, what would you like to spend? You only want to spend a thousand? Well, then this is what it will get you, you know, and then uh, you know, you have more, we want to do three cameras, motion control, like we're having here. Well, it gets a little bit more, but here's why, you know, there's just every time you add another camera, you need another lens, you need another couple batteries and you need another couple cards. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was actually one of my other questions. You know, you, you mentioned the equipment there and it really can kind of come down to how much you want to spend, but and when we think about equipment, you know, what types of equipment is, is really required? Yeah. Again, uh, you know, going back, I would get, I would have high quality microphones. And if you have a podcast already, chances are you have at least, you know, a good microphone. So you can just pack that 
in your travel bag. You don't have to re-rent stuff out. Um, and that's another thing too I want to point out is is renting is a great option. You know, you don't have to go invest $5,000 on Amazon or B&H. You can go spend a couple hundred on LensRentals.com, LensProtoGo.com. And, and these companies, I'm just shouting out, I'm not sponsored by them. I just love using them, but they're amazing. That's what they do. You want the gear shipped to the hotel? They'll ship it to the hotel. You get a pre-shipping label back. So on your way out or, you know, on the day before, if you end it, you ship it out at the FedEx and you're done, you know? So I would recommend even starting that way. And the reason is two things. One, you get to test out some gear, see what works, what you don't. And then also you can find out real quickly what you need and don't need. You know, it's, it's really hard if you're just starting with a blank canvas. What do I need? I mean, you need everything, you know, but. Right. Not right. everyone, want, it gets expensive quick. And then even me, you know, and, and that's why I've developed different processes with the gear I invest in is it's easy to think you need something. Then you finally get it, you're using it and you're like, don't really need this. Like I could have got this and saved money or, you know. Going shopping, you know, going apartment shopping before you're actually in the apartment. You know, you have all this furniture that shows up that doesn't really fit, right? Same kind of idea there. Um, so, you know, who thinks about set design when it comes to recording in person? Yeah. I mean, I do personally, I think the background is like a hugely important part of it. And even, you know, if you're looking at this video, it's not necessarily, it has to be so perfect, but, um, part of the set design, I like to think, um, for this type of work is like, how easy is it to work in? You know, it's like, it's one thing we can make this even look nicer and we could be hanging lights and doing all that. But, but then this whole office would have to shut down for a while. You know, no one can get into the conference room over here if we block it. So it's, it's also using like the elements and almost like not that you put yourself in a corner, but I like sometimes when I, I only can do this way, you know, like you can only shoot in this corner. Okay, cool. Now I don't have to waste time thinking of all these other things. And, and I think even with the live event, there's, there's a little bit of um, a flexibility there. I don't think people, if, if it's known you're at a trade show, especially if you're on the floor, I don't think anyone's looking for a Netflix 4K quality movie right. here, right? It's again, as long as the sound, because everyone I talk to, even if I watch it on YouTube, I'm not always watching, watching, you know, I'm working as I listen to it, I'm driving. So it's, again, I just focus on, on the sound, but again, having video now, you can put this out on all your channels too. Gotcha. So typically speaking, is that something that the, you know, production crew would handle or do I also as a marketer? need to consider, you know, set design? I think in the way I would work, I would say I would handle it in in terms of like, I would be the one physically happy to move stuff around. But I, I think, especially working with marketing teams, I found, especially the smaller ones, which I love is like, it's it's a little different. And I like finding, okay, you guys are really strong here, but you're missing this. Like I can fill in this. And maybe sometimes I can't, but then, you know, this person or this company does that better. But I think it's just that talk, you know, just like a discovery call we all do for whatever type of service or software we're selling. You just want to know what they want. I, I can give you, I'll give you a good video, but that doesn't mean it's what you want. So I think what is most important to you is most important to you, your Instagram channel. Well, okay, maybe we should go a little heavier on visuals. Maybe we should get a better camera. Maybe you should have a third angle to cut to. Or is most of your audience on LinkedIn? Okay, let's just do two cameras and we'll make sure we can do like some nine by 16s or one by one cutout. So it, I almost think a good way to look at it is like, what is your distribution? I'm going to start with that. Like, great, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to say and who the guest is and even how it's going to look. But 
you know, what do you want to do with these videos? And then from there, you can almost like work backwards. So you can, you can make it get to that output. Yeah. So I guess what's different then about post-production when it comes to these in-person recording? The nice thing with, um, you know, if you're recording Riverside, you usually just have the two people. You can cut that in post-production. There's not too much. We're not running this into Riverside. So each camera, and luckily, you know, my microphone is into the camera that's looking at me. Your microphone's plugged into this. And then our third camera has a microphone to sync. So automatically, we already have to sync three clips right off the bat. So step one, you have to now also like organize the footage, put it in. And then there's a lot of tools. Like I don't want to sound overcomplicated. There's many tools that will like sync it up. We do like a clap in the beginning and that way we can easily sync it. Um, so that's one, you're already doing that. Whereas if you're recording Riverside, you could just spit out the final output, you know, and be good. So, so you're doing that and then you're trying to layer in like a third camera if you need to. But luckily I would say the post isn't harder. Maybe there's a few different steps. And like I said, other than doing that syncing, which most platforms have that AI built in, they'll do it for you. You can do a little tweak. So I don't know, maybe, the, you know, it's funny when you first asked that, I was like, well, you got, and then now I'm thinking with all the technology, it, it might, I don't think it's that different to be honest. Really? That's interesting. I mean, it's, there's, there's so much that's going on, right? When we, we I look at these, you know, we got three cameras, the mm -hmm. lighting, the set, you know, yeah. the, the set design itself. So it's interesting when you think about, Hey, you know, the post-production part of it, how, how much more complicated does it get? It, yeah. Other than syncing, if you can line up audio clips, you know, and, and get it to sync. Once you do that, you can lock those clips in, duplicate the timeline. So you always have, you know, our 30, 40 minute conversation as like a master synced file and you can just choose. So that's how I do it in post. And that way I just, I will, that's like my template. Right. And then that way I can always go back to it. Maybe the first cut, I missed something I can go back. So that makes it easier. And then the other thing, especially with live events, let's say you, maybe you have a bigger team, maybe you do have the budget, you've been doing this, you see the value you can buy like mixers, like Blackmagic has this mixer and then Rode has this Rodecaster for audio. And maybe you have an intern or someone, they could just sit there. You have, you know, up to four inputs plugged into this box, basically, and that plugs into your computer. And you could just have someone choose which camera they want, you know, so you still record all three cameras. You have that as your backup, but you might not need that. It might already be edited when you get it, you know, and then you can just do your graphics and cut cut the smaller video outputs for that. And then the Rodecaster allows you to have like four XLR inputs and then that plugs into your computer. So you could have someone doing it. And actually when I've done live podcasts in the past, it was only audio. I I'd mixed while I was, you know, I did the mixing. So, and that just means I'm just doing the levels, you know, right. just slotting the levels up and down. Gotcha. Well, I guess just to wrap things up then, you know, how does the the live in-person recording help your show stand out among, you know, other podcasts in the industry? Yeah, or I in think, your industry? Well, yeah, there's, there's a couple ways. And I think one is it's a fun, you can build up to the recording. You know, we can all say, hey, this week I'm dropping this episode, this week I'm doing this. But what if we were all, all everyone in my network was going to the same event? And I was like, Hey, while you're there, if you have a chance, stop by booth C79. We're going to have the podcast. We got some popcorn. We got like drinks for happy hour. It's like you can make your own event inside the event. And that's what we did. I can't tell you how many sales they made, but I can tell you that I've never seen booths that busy and with the right people because our podcast was very specific of who we were talking to. So their exact target audience where they're hanging out, wanted to know more. 
it was just a great way to create buzz even before. So then you can get people live and then we all have FOMO. One week later, less than a week, maybe if you can do, I would start putting clips out immediately because all the people that are home sitting on LinkedIn, wishing they were there, they're going to want to see what's going on. And if you have these like, even though it is your podcast, but you're showing the event in some way and you're building that, maybe there's some behind the scenes pictures you're showing. I think you can get build up a bit of a traction going into it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. Well, Rob, thanks again for, you know, spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. And it was great having you on Recorded Content. Nice, man. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Recorded Content, a show brought to you by Motion, a done-for-you podcasting agency for B2B tech marketers. We do the podcast stuff so you can focus on strategy, building brand awareness, and developing new relationships. To learn more about how you can launch and grow a podcast for your company, check out motionagency.io. Thanks for listening to Recorded Content.